DJ and PK, Steve Tate joining us right now, the former Utah safety. You know him from the Hayes Tough Foundation. He joins us on the Sprint special guest line. Sprint makes it safe and easy to get what you need online. You can visit Sprint.com for online services and local store availability. Hey, Steve, good morning. Good morning. You too. What's going on? Uh, we got multiple things going on. I'm curious what you think about the Utah defense rebuilding on the fly. It's awesome that they sent that many guys to the NFL, but that means a lot of guys who didn't play. Some were in the program, but some probably weren't. So how quickly is Utah defense going to rebuild? Ooh. You know, I, again, I, I go back to what, what Coach Whittingham's known for, and that's, uh, that's rebuilding defense, reloading every year. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm more confident facing a, a defense that has to reload than, than an offense. Um, Looking at obviously Utah this year, you know, secondary completely wiped out. They've got to replace two guys, three guys uh, that uh, went to the NFL, and you know that's that's hard to replace. But if anything, we know that uh, you know Utah's defense is a system-based defense, and you know guys just tend to to step up and rebuild. And you know I don't think they're going to have quite the athletic caliber that you know you saw last year, um, but. You know, we see it year in and year out. I mean, that that defense is known to put guys in the NFL, and, and a lot of it's because uh, Coach Whittingham puts them in a good place to to succeed. And so, you know, I'm not as I'm not as worried defensively as as perhaps if we had to look at the offense and and, and face a rebuilding situation. If you were coaching right now, Steve, how nervous would you be knowing that you're not having the face-to-face individual contact and the strength people are not with these guys in terms of them being able to come back and be physically where they're supposed to be? You know, I, I think you know the, the fortunate part is everyone's in the same same boat. I mean, no one's getting a competitive advantage uh, if you look across the board and, and certainly in the conference and, you know, right now it's with the entire, uh, you know, NCAA football in general. But, you know, I think what, what's hard and, and difficult for the coaches right now is, is understanding how to balance it and, 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 and you know, learning, learning how to, to juggle this. Yeah, you know, a lot of it's going to come up, uh, turn to the individuals, the, the players themselves. I mean, if they're, if they're guys that uh, are, are self-disciplined and motivated, then, you know, you, you won't have too big of an issue. Uh, the one thing I do see, though, is, um, you know, defense, I think, when you look at defense, a lot of a lot of it can be done uh, in, in the film room. You know, a lot of uh, you can go over your schemes and, and go over situations in the film room. A lot lots of film work when it comes to defense. Offensively, you know, you need repetition. You need significant repetition. And and you obviously right now uh, with with Huntley gone, you're going to face a quarterback coming in, uh, new quarterback coming in a new system. And that that takes repetition, and and so I'd say that that's right. You know, to me, that's probably where the anxiety comes in a little bit. Is is how do I get you know my quarterback situation figured out with the lack of reps that perhaps uh, they're getting? And so you know a lot of it's going to come down to those, those guys trying to learn the system on the fly. Um, but until you can have live reps, you know, you're going to be at a little bit of disadvantage compared to some of these other schools who have a returning quarterback coming back. So you say there's no advantage. I've heard maybe there's a small advantage for the schools in this state because to one degree or another, they all have programs that they send to missionaries who don't have access to anything but need to stay in shape. 
Is that that big an advantage? How good are those programs versus whatever another school in California or Arizona or Texas has to come up with on the fly? How big an advantage is that, or is it pretty nominal? Um, you know, if it, if this continues on, you know, if this drags on for another month in, in California, which you know, gosh, who knows? It may based on you know what we've seen from from uh, their 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 governor. But I, I don't. If it continues for a month or so, I think you know the the longer that plays out, of course, that the I think the the advantage in, increases for for Utah. Um, you know, that being said, you know things are still kind of slowly opening up here, and and uh, in in terms of you know being able to have larger groups and and get together and and, and working out, and so you know. But the longer that goes, I think yeah, the, the advantage shifts toward towards Utah, but. You know, right now, I don't think it's a situation, maybe a minimal advantage um, and, until, you know, obviously we start seeing things here a, a month from now. But, yeah, we, we all know it is, it, it's an interesting situation they're all facing. You know, Utah got, I don't know, what, one week of, of spring ball, I guess, you know, one week uh, more than, than some of those schools. Um, you know, I guess any time you're on the field, it's a little bit of an advantage. But, um, you know, uh, again, until – we have some certainty with all this and, and know if fall camp opens up on time, I think we're all, I think all those teams are, are somewhat in the same boat. You think uh, regarding the quarterback situation, you got uh, a redshirt sophomore, I think in rising and then the grad transfer in Bentley, who's got one season and rising has got three. Do you think that Bentley has to really knock him out in the competition? Because if it's even, why wouldn't you go with the younger guy? Yeah, you know, it, it's we're we're in a we're in a different world now when it comes to uh this eligibility uh with, with transfers and grad transfers and you know, it seems like you, you can rent a quarterback nowadays and you know, it's worked for Oklahoma. Schools now have implemented it. It's it's worked for several of the top programs. Um you know, that quarterback position is so uh important for uh for a program and for an offense to succeed and if you can get a guy who has proven experience, um, you know, gosh, I look at Bentley and, and a guy who, who started in, in, you know, uh, in the SEC uh, multiple years. Through, I think he started three years, a three-year starter in, in the SEC. I, I just don't – I don't know how he doesn't uh, come in earning that starting spot. Um, no, I, I understand rising. I get that situation as well. Um, but, you know, in my opinion, don't, you don't bring in a guy like, like Bentley who's as qualified – as he is, um, and not play him, uh, you know, and, and, and then on that other foot, if I'm Bentley, you know, I, I'm going to, if I'm reevaluating my, reevaluating my situation coming from the SEC, I'm, I'm going to go to a school who uh, is having a, a departing quarterback, knowing that I'm going to go in and fill that spot for one year and, 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 you know, show myself. So uh, it's, it's tough. Uh, you know, I, again, I never want my son to play quarterback. That's for sure. I think that's a, that's a position right now that, you know, you just there's so many uncertainties in, in that position, and, and obviously it's non-transferable. You can't go play another position. Well, I, I guess you can, but you know, by the time you do, it's probably too little, too late. Um, so, yeah, I think the situation is, you know, rising. If he's on the same level, if I'm a coaching staff, I'm certainly looking for the future. Uh, that being said, you know, uh, experience carries its weight, and, and Bentley has experience, and he's got it at the top, you know, the top level. How big is your son? <laughs> he just he just surpassed me in in both uh height and weight. So he's he's now on six foot one seventy five. Four he just turned fourteen. So 
He's not going to be playing. Uh, he's no safety. He's more linebacker, uh, <laughs> linebacker DN type. Or Ben Roethlisberger. Or Ben, <laughs> ben Roethlisberger as well. <laughs> so let me get this straight, Steve. You're saying that Bentley will be better than Joe Barrow. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm saying. That's what I said. Oh, oh man, PK. I I expected nothing less. That's exact. Put a put a quotation in that right now. He will be better than Joe Burrow. I thought that's what I heard. <laughs> that's exactly what you heard. So the position group that uh, has historically needed the most help, and I have to say, after years of looking at them, you know, with one eyebrow raised, thinking you don't have it, they've been getting better. They need to get better, but they have been improving. What kind of step forward do you think the receiver group takes? And you can lump tight ends in that or not. That's your choice. Judgment call on your point, on your part. Yeah, um, I think we, we, have, we have been seeing that, that receiving core progressively getting better. I think last year, um, gosh, you know, the surprise was a tight end position, and, uh, and, and that is a huge weapon. Uh, that, I think that in itself – Gives you one one other option uh, on the offense. I've always said that tight end position is probably one of the more underutilized in college football. Um, if you have a tight end that's athletic, it's a mismatch for linebackers. Um, if he's big, it's a mismatch for safeties. I, I've always said that that linebacker or that that tight end position is is undervalued, underutilized. And Utah last year had just a unbelievable. Um, uh, you know, experience with 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 the with the tight end group, and I think that carries over. Um, I think getting getting Britton back is, is big. Uh, you know, he he was a guy. Needless to say, uh, just shifty gives gives you an, uh, a different element in that slot position. And then you know, ultimately, got to stretch the field. And uh, you know, so that that third option just stretching that field. But you know, I think I think that tight end position's locked down, and and that helped. I mean, that opened up Utah's offense more so than I've ever seen. Probably since you know, uh, arguably since 2008 um, was the last time I've seen kind of an offense run um, like that, and I think a lot of it's because of that tight end position. Of course, Huntley and, and Moss helped out. You know, that, that doesn't hurt having those guys there as well. But you know, I think one thing that uh, that certainly can be pinpointed was was tight ends, man. That that that's just a, a unique position, and I think that's going to help uh, whoever that quarterback is coming in uh, having that. It, it's you know that tight end. It, it, the nice thing about that tight end position, it's it's high percentage passes, and I think that goes along with Coach Whittingham his his kind of philosophy. You know, he he doesn't want to turn that ball over. And when you have a tight end, you know, you're you're, you're talking about high percentage uh, passing passing game, and uh, you're not taking huge risks. Um, you're getting the ball out quick, and, and so um, you know, then you're getting a guy who can who can then take it and 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 do some some incredible things after the catch. So. Um, yeah, I think it's, it, it, needless to say, it's gotten much better than, than what we've seen in years past. Consistency in coaching obviously has been critical to Utah's success. I think, I'd have to double-check this, but I think since they've joined the Pac-12, Utah's had one coach, and the other five teams in the South, I think it's like 17 or 18 if you add up all the coaches. And so you can see where all that coaching instability has led to a lack of success. And we're at Utah, the coaching stability has led directly to a lot of the success that they have. And Kyle's, you know, he'll be 61 this season. And he's spoken how he doesn't want to be coaching uh, well into his 60s unless he changes his mind. That's what he's literally, he's literally said that publicly. So my thought for you 
is you know Scally very well, probably as well as anybody. And it seems like, you know, he got that raise. And I asked him after he got the raise, are you coaching waiting? And he said he didn't want to comment. But do you think that that is the natural transition to make? Yeah, I, I do. I mean, I think, you know, I, I think when you look at programs, um, you know, Utah's a good example, obviously, Urban, uh, you know, from Urban then to Coach Whittingham, and then whoever, obviously, Scout would probably be next in line. Um, but, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use probably, for lack of a better uh, example, Boise State. You know, Boise State, uh, I know we don't love – Probably a lot of Utah fans don't love uh, comparing a program to, to Boise State, but let's be honest. I mean, Boise State has been a program that has been notoriously uh, rebuilt every year without really taking a step back. And a lot of what they've done in inside that program is built within. They built within. They brought back guys that know. Uh, they know the recruiting. They they understand kind of the the advantages, the disadvantages. Uh, they understand the program. They understand the administration. Um, and and that in itself allows a quicker rebuild without taking a step back. And, um, you know, when I look at Utah, you know, I think following that same mold would be advantageous. I think, I think Morgan Scally is a guy who knows he grew up here. He obviously is a player, a guy I played with. Um, G8 uh, has, has been kind of growing with the program and understands it and the nuances that are with it understands, Obviously, the, the mission component understands uh, the recruiting elements that are, are you know, that you need to consider. Um, it, it was very for, – for Urban to do what he did, took a guy like Urban to do that, to come in in two years, to understand a program that quickly and turn it around in two years. Only a guy like Urban can do that. That's, that's an anomaly. I mean, I think with the, that's what we've seen in the Pac-12. Everyone's hoping for an Urban situation, and that's why they're going in kind of the revolving door – with coaches in the Pac-12 is hoping that they can land a guy like Urban that can turn things around and, and create a powerhouse overnight. But that's just not the likely. That's just not, 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 that's not happening. Very, very seldom are you going to get a situation like that. Typically, you've got to build within that program um, guys that, have, that are familiar with it. So, you know, I think Coach Scally obviously is a, is a guy that's, that's, that's going to get probably the first option. You know, I think – I think a guy like Coach Anderson, if if he is interested, is obviously going to get a look as well. He's a guy that knows the program, knows the recruiting, knows the coaches, high school coaches here locally. Um, so yeah, I think those two guys. I certainly, if I were a betting man, I'd say you know the the nod goes to one of those two guys. And so when you look around the Pac-12, especially the Pac-12 South, and you see all this turnover that PK's talking about, not that anybody's Urban Meyer because nobody's Urban, but is there anybody you think is more equipped? Somebody's got to win all these games head to head. Who's most equipped to take advantage of this, uh, other than other than Utah with Kyle's consistency? Ooh. you know, I, I that's a that's a that's a great question. Um, you know, I, I haven't seen enough from. I, I think the the situation in at ASU is unique. Um, you know, I think. Bringing guys that have NFL experience, although you know coaching in the NFL is so much different than coaching in college, so that that's a situation I'm obviously watching closely and seeing how that experiment pans out. And if it does, obviously I think they'll get top-notch players. But I think it's so much more than that uh, with Herm Edwards there. I, I you know I think I think USC has got its own issues. Um, you know I just think they 
right now they're trying to they're trying to figure out if this coaching situation is is really one that's going to last and if it's if it's more something higher up than the, than just a head coach you know maybe it's a program issue i think usc certainly um you know they've got the talent but you know they're they're lacking consistency and i think obviously consistent in the, in, in the head coach um you know i think if you were to look at the pac-12 south i think it's it's certainly utah's uh in my opinion it, it's still theirs to to be taken you know if i look right now elsewhere obviously i'd I'd point to Oregon. I think Oregon last year showed that it's still one of those top programs. It's still, you know, it, that coaching staff uh, rebuilt pretty quickly. So, you know, in the Pac-12, I'd say Oregon, but certainly in, in the Pac-12 South, I don't think there's anybody a better position than Utah. You think Urban is done coaching? You think he'd come back? Oh, man. You know, I, I, I think I think he comes back. I don't know how quickly, though. You know, I think Shelly, and, and I've gotten to know Shelly pretty um, closely over the last couple of years. She's helped a lot with foundation along with Urban. I, I think they they love the position, position they're in. You know, Urban's son now walking on it uh, at Cincinnati. You know, I think what one of the biggest misconceptions of Urban, if you don't know him, if you, if you don't know him personally or been coached under him, you know, I think people think that he's he's uh, just this guy who, who you know, uh, he had his ego is bigger than than any program, and and the reality is, you know, Urban's still pretty grounded when it comes to family. I mean, I, I see him wanting to watch his son at Cincinnati. I see him wanting to be there. Um, and as soon as that situation clears up and his son graduates, uh, and you know, I, I, that's when I see him making a move. But right now, you know, Urban is a, really a family-oriented guy. I mean, if you if you follow him and follow his wife, they're you know, it's all about their kids and their grandkids. And I think there's a big uh, component of Urban that wants that and wants to experience that before he jumps into a new head coaching position. So I don't think it's going to be within the next you know three years. I think it, I, I do think he'll coach again, but not not till after uh, his son done playing football. Uh, there's a, supposed to be a vote today on tra- on transfers. Should they be allowed? Should student athletes be allowed to move one time? without having to lose a year of eligibility or redshirt. Just move and be immediately eligible. I know there's no perfect – well, maybe you think there is. I don't think there's a perfect vote here. you got to pick the best option. Which one would you pick? Would you vote yes or no? Well, I'm biased. Obviously, I, I transferred, and I you know, I, I happened to fall in that kind of loophole on the mission where I didn't have – I came home from the mission, and I was basically a free agent. So I, I, I was able to do it without having to wait out a year. So um, I'd be – I'd be uh, a hypocrite if I didn't say that I think it should be allowed around, you know, uh, around all programs. I think right now so much uh, has been taken from the student athlete, um, maybe not taken, but so much has been given to the coaches and so much freedom has been given to the coaches and so much limitation has been uh, restricted for the student athlete. And, uh, and eventually, as we've seen, uh, that, that can only last so long before the student athletes start to have a little more power. And, uh, and and I think it's good. I think that these kids, you know, they're, they're going to recruit by a guy, and that guy's in their house. And the next day, this coach knows darn well that he's not going to be there the next, you know, following week, and he takes a, a position elsewhere. But yet, you know, two days ago, he was talking to the kids' parents, promising them that uh, he would be their coach for the whole time. I mean, those situations just that's just not right. And a kid should have the ability to transfer if a situation like that occurs. So I do think that kids should be allowed to have have one transfer without sitting out. I do. 
So you went to Utah State. Who was the first guy to interview you when you made your decision to go to Utah State? <laughs> That's a wise man. I think it was PK. Was that you? <laughs> what year was that? was a young that? PK. <laughs> no gray hair. Just getting started. Yeah. What year did you graduate? <laughs> what year was your senior year? My, it was 2001. Oh, Steve, we're getting old, man. We are getting old. I know. We're getting old. I got a 14. I mean, my son's going to be playing high school next year. I mean, I'm old, man. I hear you. 6'1", 175. He's going to be huge. I know. It's good size, yeah, for yeah. a 14-year-old. <laughs> He's a big yeah. kid. All right. Hey, Steve, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for coming on. Always fun, guys. Good talking to you. DJ PK, there is Steve Tate, Hayes Tough Foundation and the former Ute Safety. All right, coming up uh, in about half an hour, Sam Smith, longtime Chicago Bulls writer. His impression of the last dance. Did they get it right? What did they have to leave out? We'll get to that coming up. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Action Plumbing. Action Plumbing, Heating, and Electrical. Spring into action now. Mention this ad. Receive $33 off any service. Call Action today and get that $33 savings at 801-833-3333. That's 801-833-3333. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. TV wants yep. live sports. They are desperate for live sports. Yeah. We're hey. watching the KBO for crying out loud. It's still on ESPN. You can catch the KBO twice a day. I tried. I couldn't do it. I could do it for the first couple of days, but there's just nothing to really... It's like when you really try to do a crash diet and you're looking at that plate of kale and you're like, I'm not quite hungry enough for that yet. But if I put ranch and bacon on it... Then we got a chance. And put it on a burger. Yeah. And then <laughs> remove the kale as you ate the burger. <laughs> then we got something. How did you sneak on there? Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Join Hanson Scotty G Friday from 10 to 2 at the warehouse, 86 East University Parkway in Orem. Prices will blow your mind. Question of the morning. NCAA's got a vote coming up today. Should players get a one-time transfer? Should they change that rule? One-time transfer without sitting out. How should you vote? You can hit us up on Twitter, David DJ James. It should be a yes, Daniel says, but we all know the corrupt system that is the NCAA. We'll do as best for them. It will be no. <laughs> Why is it best for them? <laughs> what do they care? The uh, schools keep the kids under their thumb. I don't know that that really helps the NCAA. It helps one individual right. school keep a kid going from going to another school. Try to slow well, down the tra- try to slow down the transfers. Although we've we we just had Dave Rose on and he had the most recent number. It was massive. It's basically three. It's almost three kids per school are transferring in a basketball program that it has a dozen kids. Well, they have thirteen scholarships. Yeah. Okay, thirteen. So three, almost three out of thirteen. So. You, yeah, but not all of those are kids who want to leave. Some of Some them are, are forced. Basically, shoved uh, out the Barcelo door. Barcelo was, as I understand it, Barcelo was told, you're not going to play. We got these hotshot guards coming in, and you're not the guy. Medical so, retirements are quite popular in certain parts of this country. He quote, left. Unquote. So, who's to say? I mean, my guess, I haven't asked the kid, but he's from Arizona. My guess is, uh, would you rather play. 25 minutes a game in Tucson or 
28 minutes a game in Provo. I guess he's probably going to say Tucson. Harold says the vote should be yes, and Lane says I'm voting yes too. So a lot of people have seen all these transfers, and clearly we've seen a lot of grad transfers lately. That's become much more popular. It was Maybe you remember one earlier. Maybe it was just the first high-profile one, but I don't know that I'd heard that rule until Russell Wilson moved. Uh, he's still an active NFL quarterback in his prime, so we're going back maybe, what, like a decade? And that's just well, taken off. Well, the thought off. was that it was Kevin Kruger who was playing for Arizona State basketball, and he did it, and he went and joined his father, Lon, who's now at Oklahoma, but at the time was in Vegas. So I think that if you type in Kevin Kruger, I think he's recognized mm, as line. the first guy to take advantage of this rule. This rule came about. Somebody told him about it, and he said, oh, yeah. So he went to Vegas and played for his father and came up with some bogus grad program, what have you, to allow him to do that. And then now it's, particularly in basketball, it's basically the floodgates to where uh, you you see this. And then these kids, too, uh, a lot of them, and particularly in basketball, they're probably not going to be NBA players. So this is their last chance to be loved because they're choosing. They've got six schools, and they tell some national dude, and he tweets it out, that these are the six schools that he's going to choose one of these six schools. And so then their fan base gets all excited about this kid and, oh, is he going to come here? And, we, you know, we saw it locally here with this Harms kid. The, the guy got – there's never been a grad transfer in the history of grad transfers in our market get the run that this Harms kid got. And a lot of it was because of the fact that he's 7'3 and there was no NBA going on. And, and so when we were looking for stuff, he became like a, a little bit of a celebrity here and people were interviewing him left and right, radio and television and print. I mean, the the ways you can do it. And so I'll raise my you, hand twice. Yeah, yeah, I didn't do get the to print. Be, <laughs> you get to be loved uh, a little bit more. You know what I mean? This is your this is your last go now. I just by the fact he's seven three, you ought to be able to make some sort of difference by just standing there in in the in college. I don't think they have a three second. Uh, rule like they do in the NBA, you know, defensive three-second. If you're not guarding a guy, you can just stand there all day if you want. Uh, so he should have some type of impact. Whether it matches the publicity that he got, I'm not so sure. We'll have to see. Hopefully we do get to see and the season is played. But uh, I think some of it, you know, they get an opportunity to be loved again so they can go through the recruiting cycle again. And they like that. Uh, but, yeah, that's, that's, that's become, I think, that what Dave Rose was talking about. That's become so prevalent and prevalent, I guess is the word, that uh, it's out there. And, and, and teams are literally factoring in that a significant portion of that as they build their teams. Well, we'll find out. Uh, Yak, you know when that vote is today? When that's falling? I do not 11.33 know. Oh. Eastern time. Oh, well, thanks for nothing, PK. PK, thank you. <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't take me seriously. No, I didn't. 11.33 <laughs> Eastern time. 
How do you know? If it could very know, well be. Yeah, it's not, judging by your laugh. I was 100% right. Yeah, but my laugh came after you dismissed me immediately. Because you needed dismissing in this case. <laughs> I try, I, It was a weak attempt at bluffing, but you gave it no credence, and that sort of hurts, you know, because I'm an award-winning journalist. And, and <laughs> <laughs> okay. Whatever. I got no credibility there whatsoever. You uh, swatted me away. Well, That's what hurts. Early in our show, you had a question, and you didn't bluff it. You wanted a real answer, and we were getting multiple real answers. I believe one over one of the other answers we've gotten. It's plausible, but I don't, I don't think it's true. I think there's one that is true. Golfers. Nice putt, Alice. Where did that come from? Our listeners provide the answers, not all of which can be true, <laughs> but some of which may entertain you. That's next. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. PK, you've been pondering deep questions in the universe like... Why do people say nice putt, Alice? Where did that come from? How did that start? Yeah, I don't know. Dave tweets at us. Maybe it's the old-time sitcom The Honeymooners. Jackie Gleason would argue with Alice and say, just one time, Alice, right in the kisser. <laughs> Can you imagine that today? No, absolutely <laughs> I'm not. i punch my wife one time and a kisser. No. <laughs> but then they always made up, and he loved her to the moon and back. Dacon says, it's a reference to Alice from The Honeymooners, a 50s sitcom. I'm younger than both you guys. How is it that I know this and you don't? Maybe because it's not true. I don't know. I did not know it, and maybe it is true. I know that uh, being down in South Beach, there's a uh, a, 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 a statue or some type of memorial. It's a Jackie Gleason auditorium, and they have some information on Jackie Gleason, and I looked it up. When I was down there, because I saw it, and he was a huge golfer to the point where he had his show. I think he had some type of variety show that was done in New York, but he demanded that it be done in Miami in the winter so he could golf. And so I know he was a big golfer, and then they had this episode where he's trying to teach, uh, what was the guy, Art Carney, his, uh, the role that Art Carney played? Mm-hmm. And so they're, they're, they're dressed up, <laughs> Jackie Gleason in knickers and all this stuff. And he's trying to teach Art Carney in that apartment that they were always in, trying to teach him how to golf. So <laughs> Art Carney's, his body would move like slinky. And he's trying to get him, you know, you get set in your stance and some say the yips, you know, you're moving it. And he tells him, now you got to, address the ball this is the way you dress the ball so our carney stands above and he's moving his shoulder and his body and he says you got to address the ball hello ball, ball. <laughs> <laughs> so stupid but yet 
Oh, my gosh. So maybe there is something to do that with that because I know Jackie Gleason apparently moved his show down to Miami in the winter to allow him to continue to play golf year-round. But Tim Lacombe tweets at us, Peter Alice, former British broadcaster, voice of golf for the BBC. Okay. And then Derek tweets at us, the 1963 Ryder Cup, in a match against Palmer, a fan yelled, nice putt, Alice, after he missed a short putt. So some fan randomly calls him Alice? And then it takes off from there. <laughs> okay. We haven't heard from Real Golf Radio yet. Uh, We've not heard from Bob Casper and Brian Taylor. But uh, I'm, leaning, I'm leaning away from the honeymooners towards the Ryder Cup Peter Alice moment. That makes more sense to me. Oh, I had a friend. I still have the friend, and he's still married to the gal. And she goes by Allison, or no, Amanda, I think. So they call her Mandy. And uh, but her f- given first name was Alice, so Amanda Mandy was her middle name. And I call her Alice because that's her first name, and it drives my friend and her nuts. Which is why you do it. Do they not know <laughs> that you're doing it for the reaction. But that her parents gave her the name Alice. Who am I to change it? <laughs> this just comes down to you're the youngest. You competed for attention in the family. <laughs> you just got burned into your personality. I didn't early compete. Age. I demanded. Same difference. <laughs> Speaking of man. <laughs> <laughs> So they haven't figured that out, huh? They got to. <laughs> I think over the years, uh, this is this is a while ago. <laughs> her name her name was Alice. Given name was Alice, right? So I figured you got to call her Alice. <laughs> if they wanted her first name to be Amanda, they would have made her made her first name Amanda. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, one other thing before we go to break. we got Sam Smith coming up in just a minute here. But before we go to break, uh, there is uh, Utah football retweeted Zach Moss getting flummoxed by a magic trick. And so I put it out there, okay, how, how does this work? Because it isn't magic. <laughs> There's something to it. What is the trick? What is, and you can look at the trick, try to figure it out for yourself. But if you go into my mentions now, Multiple people have said, "Well, this is how you do that trick." So, if you want to spoil it, if you want to, I'm not spoil. I'm not saying it. I, you Spoiler can alert. you can watch it as many times as you want and try to figure it out for yourself. You may get it right away. You may get it after a while. You may not get it at all. But if you want to know the answer, then you can go click okay. in the mentions and find it for yourself. I'm not going to blurt it out now because in this case, the cat should have your tongue. <laughs> okay. All right, DJ PK, Sam Smith. He's covered the Bulls forever. Used to write for the Tribune there in Chicago. Now he writes for uh, Bulls.com, part of the NBA.com. Family of websites, and he has covered the whole Jordan era, the post-Jordan era. And so talking to him about the last dance, how on target is this? Let me ask you this. Yeah. Was he in a good mood? Oh, he was in a decent mood. Yeah. Because I was wondering if he had woken up on the wrong side of the bed. He actually uh, taped this interview yesterday. He made a comment. He said, I don't do mornings. <laughs> so he, he, he doesn't wake up till he's good and ready. <laughs> well, so he got up in the nick of time. I see what you did. <laughs> <laughs> All 
right, DJ PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.